Welcome back to Trees and Lines at Trees and Utilities. We're uh, we're here live with Jordan Ambrogi, uh, who runs wildfire mitigation at Core Electric, the largest co-op in Colorado. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, for looking having forward me. to chatting with you. Um, you know, Jordan, we don't. I don't personally know a lot about you, and and I'd love for our audience to get uh, a little bit more acquainted with you and your background. So before we dive into Core and what you guys are up to, maybe. Tell us a little bit about your your background and your history in the in the vegetation and wildfire space. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I studied earth sciences at Penn State um, and moved to Colorado shortly after I graduated. Um, took a job with ECI Consulting as a job planner for Core Electric. They were called Intermountain Rural Electric Association at that time. They changed their name a couple years back, but I did that contracting position for a year and a half, and the utility forester job opened up at Core, um, so I applied for that and got that job. Um, I did that for four years, and then Core created the position of Wildfire Mitigation Coordinator, um, which I uh, applied for and, and got that back in October of last year. And recently I was promoted to Wildfire Mitigation Program Manager. Oh, that's excellent. Wow, so thank how you. did you learn about vegetation management at utilities? Did you know about it from Penn State? No, uh, I really didn't. And when I, I sort of applied to the contracting position on a lark, you know, not really sure if I would get it. And then, you know, I got the call and I was like, are you sure I'm qualified for this? <laughs> and, You're breathing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, I, and it was sort of the customer service experience I had because dealing with the, the homeowners is so important in this field. Um, so most of it was on the job learning, you know, learning the tree species of Colorado that I would be dealing with and uh, really learning pruning techniques and, and by, just by watching the guys do their work, the, uh, the arborists who worked on our contract. Penn State has the largest, the longest research into utility veg management of anywhere. Yeah. And Is that right? Nobody comes out of there knowing about it. Yeah. And nobody comes out of anywhere knowing about veg <laughs> management. No, really. It was something that um, really didn't even occur to me uh, as a, a field of study or anything like that. I was really focused on climate change while I was at school and did a semester-long project on wildfire specifically. So it's kind of come full circle for me in that oh, regard. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Do you still have an active relationship with the university um, where you're building some awareness of the career paths? Because not everyone has gone the university route, right? Mm-hmm. So is that something that you'll eventually plan to do or have interest in doing to build awareness? I hadn't really considered it, but it, it's a good point because, yeah, I, I know that's one of the biggest challenges to our industry Very much is so, yeah. uh, awareness as a career path. So um, it's a good idea of a way to get involved and, and promote this a little further. Your primary focus is very much in the news these days uh, with the very sad events in Hawaii. Um, when you see these events taking place across the country, what goes through your mind? You know, what sort of things does it? Do you retailer some of your initiatives? Do you do you communicate with the lo- local utilities in in the states and the countries that are having those problems? Like, how are you gra- gathering that market intel so that you can continue to refine your strategy in in Colorado? Yeah, I, I am taking really all the lessons I possibly can out of, you know, 
really tragedies like this. But um, I, I read as much as I can, as, as much as a, is available about, you know, how the utility may or may not have been involved. Um, I am involved in the steering committee for the Colorado Wildfire Utilities Summit, where all the utilities in the state get together, discuss lessons learned and strategies employed for utility or uh, wildfire mitigation. Um, So we have a very active community in Colorado, a very collaborative community amongst the utilities of sharing those strategies. And uh, I also am really, you know, I, I look to places where these disasters occur you know, like California, and I say, what are they doing? You know, what, especially big IOUs who have a lot more budget than we do, what's the best practice? What what can we be looking into that we're not currently trying? Or, you know, what happened that contributed to that fire, and do we have a solution for that? Yeah, that's great. So what are the key components of your wildfire mitigation? The first thing is situational awareness. You know, you, you need to know what the conditions are like on the ground. You need to know what the weather's going to be doing. That's, you know, can't speak enough to how important that is. Knowing, you know, what sort of wind speeds you're facing, what your equipment is designed to withstand. Um, so situational awareness is a big piece. Um, obviously, vegetation management, you know, that sort of goes without saying at this point when it comes to wildfire mitigation. Um, but a lot of it is also thinking about our system protection schemes and can we arrest arcs as quickly as possible? Can we stop outages and stop faults from occurring where they might set off an ignition or anything like that? Um, covering up all our energized parts so that wildlife doesn't contact that stuff. And um, we're also utilizing new technologies as well. Uh, we have drones doing our pole inspections. So they're looking at our poles with um, visual and infrared. So they're detecting any potential issues that might occur, and we're getting those corrected within 30 days. Uh, so it's that active maintenance process as well. Just listening to you talk, there seems to be a lot of you know commitment, um, thoughtful strategy, um, let's talk a little bit about budgets. You know, as a co-op, I know that dollars are always a concern, yeah. and you have to be kind of super efficient and get biggest bang for buck. So, can you talk a little bit about, you know, some of the ways that you're able to like, you know, drive the initiatives that you want in perhaps maybe a more cost constrained uh, environment? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying. With you look at what the big IOUs do. But you keep in mind their budget is much different than ours. Their resources are much different than ours. So it's kind of asking yourself, how do you tailor that approach to your utility? And, you know, you may not be able to have a team of meteorologists on staff, but there are tools that are and more and more becoming available to the medium and smaller size utility that uh, can sort of replace that, you know, not entirely, but to a, to a good extent, you know. Um, so it's, it's looking for solutions like that. And really, y- you got to do your due diligence, you know, comparing one versus the other, pros and cons, costs and, and everything like that as well. And, um, you know, just seeing how much you can do and accepting what you're not able to do uh, and, and making plans for the future to address that. Do you guys at all employ like a... Um a socialized model where you'll communicate with the other co-ops and say, hey, look, like, we're all in the same position. Let's kind of pool capital together. Let's pool resources together and kind of 
solve this by committee? Is that take place? Not so much, uh, really, because you can only operate within your own territory, and it is sort of sectionalized that way. Um, I will say the one instance in which the utilities of Colorado are sort of taking that approach is um, with wildfire detection cameras. Um, Many of us are motivated to build out a network of cameras that will really kind of blanket the wild areas of the state uh, so we can detect those fires early before they build up momentum, get early attack on them. Um, And and I should have mentioned, and it's part of this as well, the state of Colorado, the Department of Energy, just put together a grant application that many of the state's utilities were involved in uh, through the IRA uh, trying to get uh, funding for wildfire mitigation projects specifically. So that's another way that we approach that challenge of budget is go after as much grant funding as we possibly can. So your cameras, are they AI monitored or how's that work? Yeah, they are. Uh, we're currently doing a pilot with Pano AI and um, I know that several other utilities are working with them as well and they, they use that AI to detect the smoke plumes but the biggest part about building a network is they triangulate with one another. Um, So when two cameras can see the same smoke, they can triangulate and get a very precise location uh, to the first responders, and it really cuts down the amount of time they have to spend looking for the fire. They know pretty much where to go right away. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. How, um, How big is your team? I'm the only person with the title wildfire mitigation at our company. Um, We're a very lean organization. I believe uh, we have the lowest number of employees per member of any utility in the state. Uh, So we do run very lean, you know, but I I have a lot of great help from uh, other subject matter experts uh, and and upper management at the utility. Um, I consider them a part of my team as well because their input is invaluable. So do you uh, report to the same structure as the veg management group? No, veg management is part of our operations team. I'm sort of in between operations and engineering, and I report to our COO. Switching gears a little bit, um, I would would say your path in the industry has some things that look familiar and some things that are a little bit unique. Um, and some of the questions that we get from our younger audience is kind of career planning. Yeah. What would be some guidance that you would share to some new faces that are coming into the industry, you know, starting early on in their careers? What are some of the lessons learned that you would want to share with them and say, hey, guys, like these are some things that if you do this, it'll really impact your career? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's a great question because it was not the path that I thought I would take. It was not the straightforward path that I thought I was going to take. And um, the, one of my biggest lessons that I, or pieces of advice would be, it doesn't have to be. I think we can all realize that many people's careers take a very, you know, circuitous path. Of and course. They, you know, might end up in a very different place than where they started. Um, but the, the main thing is, you know, pursuing things that you're interested in and that you're passionate about. And there's no one route necessarily to the place that you want to get to you know it can happen by many different ways and you know sometimes you have to be creative right around the time that i was working for eci and the utility forester job came up i was considering going back to grad school and pursuing that climate change route a little bit further and when the job came open at the utility i was not exactly sure if that's what i wanted to do 
uh, at that time because in my head it would take me further away from climate change. Um, but I thought, you know what, it's, it's a great opportunity for me. I'll just, you know, take the job and, and we'll see how things go. You know, five years later, I'm still there. I, I'm the wildfire mitigation program manager. Um, it's a wonderful organization to work at. You know, really fantastic people, tons of respect. Um, so those are things to value in a career as well. And, you know, as long as you are motivated and willing to put the work in, you'll find a way to get into a career that is meaningful to you and fulfilling for you. Um, And, you know, just the other piece that I would add, because it was pertinent to my own journey, um, you know, don't be afraid to advocate for yourself, right? Don't be afraid to go to your boss and say, hey, I'm uh, I'm ready for more. I'm ready for another challenge. I'm ready for another opportunity because that can open some doors for you that may not have been there in the first place. You know, you might find yourself uh, being, you know, tailored for a position that, you know, the utilities just created or something like that. So, Since wildfires, uh, the space is kind of more of your concentration and you do have an interest in climate change, um, it's either because I don't come from this industry, either I'm noticing this trend more and maybe it's always been there, but we've seen a significant uptick across the globe, Greece, Italy, Spanish islands, of mm-hmm. course, Canada, Hawaii. Yeah. Wildfires are just, you should pick up the newspaper and there's a new fire every day. What is your thesis on what's going on? What's been the shift? Um, why are we seeing so many more today than we've ever seen before? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, the first thing that I'll say to answer that is we all have to remember that climate is a global average. It's it's an averaged out kind of thing. So, yes, it's going to be wetter in some places, drier in others, warmer in some, colder in others. But on the whole, we're trending towards a warmer climate. And that favors extreme weather. So if the typical weather pattern for an area is to be hot and dry, it tends to become more hot and dry as climate change progresses. And, you know, similarly, if you get a lot of storms, you get more powerful storms more often. So, you know, the California has always been compared to the Mediterranean climate because yes. it's, it's pretty similar. Um, so it's, it's not surprising to see the same factors that are exacerbating drought in California are now happening in Spain and Greece. Um, and, you know, those areas where that's common are expanding. Um, and I, I think, you know, in the wildfire space... We have to remember that certain environments like Colorado, fire is a natural part of the ecosystem. It it really, all the species, plants, and animals there are adapted to fire, but to low-intensity surface fire. And because we've suppressed that for, you know, 50 years, you know, uh, it's allowed fuels to build up. And now when fires do spark, they're super high-intensity and don't have that rejuvenating uh, power that they used to have now it's just pure destruction um, so it's uh, it's something that in the face of climate change we're going to see conditions that are more conducive to fire um, that's where the fuels management becomes so important is taking the fuels that have accumulated you know clearing them out masticating them there's yeah. a number of me- methods to do it but uh, so that when the natural fire does occur it's not destructive. It's it's not devastating. Is there any type of global council 
or that you're aware of where you know people are communicating you know across states across countries where you know you can centralize a lot of this information techniques information yeah um the ipcc is ibcc yeah the i want to say it's the interdisciplinary panel for climate change um they produce the major studies that give you kind of the forecasted warming you know x number of degrees celsius over the next 50 years those that that research is put out by the ipcc so that's the really international body that produces that climate change information i got you so from your observations are you seeing any changes in the uh, that you are detecting in the uh, utility forest any species starting to look more stressed than others yeah and and that's kind of the other element of the climate change issue that is not so obvious is um, the pests, you know, the insects. Their life cycles are a lot longer now um, and they are more prolific. So we are seeing a lot of uh, insect problems. Uh, Lodgepole pine beetles an issue. Tussock moth is a defoliator and and that's one that will take out entire hillsides of trees. Fortunately, the ponderosa bark beetle has not been too aggressive for us in our territory, but you know we we still get that here and there as well. So that's that's an issue too. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Thanks for for taking the time. Again, your background is so unique. Is there anything you'd like to leave for our audience in terms of awareness or understanding of of the area of focus? In wildfire mitigation, is there something that you can leave for the people? Yeah, I guess uh, the only the only parting message I would have, if it, if you are responsible for wildfire mitigation at your utility, leave no stone unturned. That's my motto. You know, Love it doesn't hurt to look, it doesn't hurt to read about, doesn't hurt to talk to somebody about. You know, take a meeting, see a demo, what have you. Explore all your options because it's a multifaceted problem, and a, there are a lot of difficult challenges to be solved. And uh, we really can't afford to be lackadaisical about it. Yep. You know, your very first answer was studies. You did it personally. Yeah. Study, yeah. read, yeah. listen. Yeah. Uh-huh. Good advice. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for joining Great. us today. Yeah. Thank it you was, so much. It was for a having fascinating me. conversation. Yeah, really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thanks, Jordan. That's it for this episode of Trees and Lines, brought to you by Iapetus Holdings. If you like the show, please give us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments on any of our episodes or ideas for topics or guests, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us at treesandlines at iapetusllc.com. We'll chat with you soon.